0: happens when sisters return home after the death of their mother? This is the question posed by the terrific new show Vida on Stars. Sisters Emma and Lynn find that their mother's life was not quite what they thought, and that her connections to their old neighborhood run deep.
1: Creator Tanya Saracho and an entirely Latinx writer's room tell the story. The first season is made up of six half-hour episodes. Family and relationships play a large role, but so do gentrification and activism. I'm Stephen Thompson.
0: And I'm Linda Holmes. We're watching Vita on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. So come right back.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Microsoft Surface Laptop. At just under 3 pounds and with up to 14 and a half hours of battery life, Surface Laptop lets you binge watch your favorite shows whenever and wherever you want. Do more with Surface Laptop. Thin, light, and beautiful.
0: Welcome back. You just met NPR Music's Stephen Thompson. Also with us is Glenn Weldon of the NPR Arts Desk. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair today from WAMU in Washington is Daisy Rosario. Hi, Daisy. Hey, Linda. We are always so happy to have Daisy with us representing for another great member station. So I want to talk a little bit about Vita. Glenn, you were the one who asked me who was going to talk first. Mm -hmm. So you're going to talk first. (laughs) Cool. How did you like Vita?
2: I liked it a lot. It's unfair to compare one medium to another, but let's do it anyway. Watching this show, I felt like I was sinking into a collection of short stories or a novella, and that has everything to do with how nuanced it is, how rich it is, how people are introduced and their types, but they do not stay types. Almost immediately, we get a lot more about them. Contradictions, they do things that are not necessarily likable. We'll talk more about that. But really, I think the thing that I was reacting to are the sex scenes. There are mm-hmm. several, and they are sex in this show is used as dialogue. It yes. advances the plot as it always does, but it also tells you who these characters are in a really essential way matter of fact, but really enlightening way. So I dug it.
0: Yeah, it's the sex scenes are specific, right? There's a reason why in one sex scene, this person is doing one thing to one person. And in the other scene, it might be the other way around. Mm -hmm. Right. And it really depends on what the relationship is between the characters at the time. It depends on who's feeling more, I don't know, motivated or whatever.
3: (laughs) Um, Daisy, what did you think about Vita? Well, I'm glad that the sex came up right away because (laughs) it's a big part of it. But, yeah, I mean, it it is the complete opposite of gratuitous in this show. Absolutely. So just to get that out of the way. Yeah. But in general, yeah, I just I really loved this show. I mean, I was just hooked in immediately, not just because there are aspects of it I can relate to, obviously, as like a Latina woman. Sure. But more than that, just. I love complicated characters. The reality of the world is that people are not all good or all bad. And I just love the way that this is painted and the way that these characters interact and the way that the world is like slowly shown to you while it's still only being six half hours Mm -hmm. is pretty masterful. I just was into it immediately. Yeah, it is
0: an unusual format in that it is a half hour drama. And there aren't that many half hour dramas kicking around, although... You know, if you look at the structure of, for example, broadcast network drama, that without commercials is going to come in at 42 43 these because they're on stars are a full true 30 minutes. So actually, you know, each episode doesn't have that much less than a network drama, but has somewhat less and I do think that they're like a trimmed down drama episode and I think it does make them move faster.
1: I think that's exactly right. And I think when you think about a a network drama that's, you know, 41 42 minutes long, there's a lot of padding in there to get you to the act breaks. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't have that. So it really does just feel like a lean drama. They're like 31, 32 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I totally agree with what you're saying about the sex scenes, Glenn. Each one tells you something about the character. And when I started watching this, I had a little bit of the reaction to it that I had to transparent, which is also a short form drama in that a lot of the central characters at first present as incredibly unlikable. And their actions are revolving around a character who forms kind of the beating heart of those first episodes of Transparent. In Transparent's case, it's Moira. And that character is giving you a lot of the kind of heart. And in this show, that comes a little more slowly. It's The moral center of the show is the wife of the mother who has just died mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and her daughters are just in the process of finding out that she has a quote roommate yeah. who who, who <laughs> yeah. everybody at home is is looking at Eddie and saying uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah. and it takes them a little longer to figure it out the character of Eddie a wonderful performance by Sarah and Zoa Tegi who provides this grieving quality and this kind of warmth and kindness and decency, but also a lot of jagged edges. That character is not perfect by any means, but I think provides the kind of most human, like, relatably human character. And then over time, the characters who revolve around Eddie develop and you find redeeming qualities in them. At first... My only complaint about the show is, man, I don't
0: like anybody. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But I think think you're right that as it goes on, you learn more about these people. You learn more about why their grief is so complicated and why Mm -hmm. their grief for, in the girl's case, their mom, and in Eddie's case, her wife, is so complicated. And one of the interesting things to me is there's been so much talk in pop culture about the trope of the dead queer woman that's come up so often, and it's something that's been so heartful to so many people. But I do feel like in this show, they've handled this story in a way where you get to see the grief that Eddie feels and the way that she feels a little bit isolated in her grief. Mm But they didn't try to get you attached to the mother character and then kill her like that's the only way to get you roped into the show. Mm -hmm. So they're able to engage grief without gratuitous death and ripping
3: away characters that people have come to be attached to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in fact, the scene where we do see a uh, ever so small amount of the life of this woman. And I think I was even more struck by it because we see so little of it. And as someone who I've, I've had a lot of loss in my life. So grief is actually I feel like I'm kind of that friend that a lot of people go to because I've had maybe a disproportionate amount for someone my age. And it all just felt so real. Because grief is so not linear. So the fact that we're seeing all the different characters and how they're affected by it in so many different complicated ways and the way that it's playing out in their lives was just so realistic to me. Yeah, Yeah,
2: but in terms of the craft of the show, I mean, I am curious because people talk about likability. It's a Hollywood truism that you need likable characters if people are going to invest in your project. But likability is not often thought of as nuanced. I do know people who will turn off of a character, who will turn off of a show mm-hmm. if they do something that that is not, you know, morally right or whatever. Yeah. And so how are they going to react? How are those people going to react to this show? And why does this show let these characters do horrible things and yet we keep kept coming back? Because I think it is Predictable, but still surprising. Yeah. And, and I, I, th- yeah. I like, let's take the character of Lynn, played by Melissa Barrera, who has this relationship with her ex, which on a plot level, you can see what's going to happen. Yeah. But you are so invested and you can see the connections she's making in her mind, which drive her next action, which drives the action after that. It's just so exactly as, as Daisy said, non linear, but it points you in this direction. It's really satisfying.
0: Yeah. And I think that character of Lynn to me is so sort of superficially confident, you know, goes out and feels very confident around men and and sex and things like that. It's so rare for, for her to be fleshed out in a way that's not about that part of it is not about trauma it's about her responsibility for how she's going to engage in relationships that doesn't make her seem bad but it makes her seem like she hasn't fully thought through how she wants to handle particularly her relationship with this ex that's why she is such an interesting character to me Another thing that I wanted to talk about is that we didn't talk very much about the the kind of the premise here, but because the girls come home and the mother and Eddie had a bar downstairs in this building and then upstairs there are apartments, there's a whole other thread of the story that involves activism around gentrification of the neighborhood. And interestingly enough, not just gentrification by white people, but gentrification by other Latinx people who are in the community who might, you know, sell their place or change the use of their place. And I thought that stuff was really nicely integrated into the story in a way that never felt oppressive in its kind of, you know, never felt, exactly, never felt didactic. It always felt like it was completely part of this neighborhood story.
3: Oh, absolutely. I feel like if they had made it just more about the, oh, white people are coming into the neighborhood, that would have felt really kind of tacked on and, and forced and like they're trying to make us look at this this thing that we know is happening and like mm-hmm. how do we get at it when this is another version of it that is happening. I can tell you I've been part of so many conversations about that both in moving to other cities and also when I've like reported on other cities specializing in Latino coverage. I mean we talk about that issue and it was amazing to see it play out in that way. Yeah, And it also reminds me of the other character who I was really interested in, who was Mari, who we meet pretty immediately in the show. She's a young activist. At one point, she was literally wearing the outfit I'd been wearing the day before. so it was, <laughs> was like, she just has a different color bandana in her hair than I do. <laughs> that is the exact outfit I was wearing. But I love this character as kind of this voice of the community, of a certain age group, of, you know, this other part of the neighborhood that we're seeing and how do we feel them? We get to feel them through her. And I thought the actress was great. And also just like the way that the character was painted felt very realistic again.
1: I thought that character goes on a really interesting journey over the course of the episode and obviously her life starts to intersect more with the lives of this family in in a number of ways and I think that like you said Linda about the gentrification plot lines they affect how this family goes about dealing with their bar like now all of a sudden this bar which is not doing well which has two mortgages on it is now owned by these two sisters and the stepmother they just found out they have. Yeah. And the gentrification stuff is woven into the challenges of what do we do with this bar? Because right. it's not just a matter of do we sell the bar to the evil vaping <laughs> land <laughs> land, <laughs> yeah, land, <although>. land, <laughs> land developer. It's also like how would we go about running a bar if we decided to do that? Because. Right. Making it profitable butts up against a lot of the challenges that go with changing the shape of your neighborhood. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And it's also it comes to you learn that it is a lesbian bar, basically. And so there's an added there's a community that relies on this space. And I think they do a really good job of making those issues seem like they are character issues and not external issues. And I think so. One of the things I love about it, it's so hard to talk about shows like this sometimes because you don't want to seem like you're saying. You should watch this show because it has a Latina showrunner and, you know, it gives a showcase to queer women. It's not it's not like you should just because you should, because, you know, these boxes are checked and therefore you should do it. What genuinely inclusive shows bring is a different kind of story. You get stories about gentrification and you get stories about the intersection between their Latinx identity, their queer identity in some cases. And those things happen because these are who the characters are. And if you really build that from the ground up and that's the story... It doesn't feel like a project, like mm-hmm. a creative project in the bad way. It feels like a story.
1: This show really uses language so effectively to give you a sense of place. The show drops a lot of Spanish into its English dialogue and does not subtitle it mm. for mm-hmm. people who do not speak Spanish. Yeah. And so you gotta roll with the context but if it, you don't speak Spanish. Because it is so well written it doesn't need to.
2: Yeah. Right. It's so True. well written. Right. It's so and it's it's obviously written with that in mind. And Linda, in your review you said something about how these characters feel like they were created from the Like uh, ground up, or the
0: inside out, the inside out, the outside in. And
2: uh, so, like for example, there's so many little details, like the superfluity of flan in the first episode. (laughs) That detail comes from someplace specific. That's that's, can we punch this up? Can we increase the Latin by eight (laughs) percent? That that is felt. That is lived. And everything about the show just feels that way.
3: I really just only have like the adjective realistic to keep going back to because that aspect of it too. It was like it's just so true there is I grew up I am not fluent in Spanish but I obviously grew up around a lot of Spanish speakers and there are certain emotional moments that even I'll just switch into certain Spanish words and so that aspect of like the way that the Spanglish was woven in and out the way that they were reacting in those moments the surprise between the sisters when one of them realizes that the other one actually is more fluent than she realized like all of that stuff just rang so true but again natural like you were saying from the inside out it wasn't like they went you know if we want to do this, we better make sure that we put the right percentage of Spanish versus non-Spanish. Like, none of that felt formulaic. It all just felt like, yeah, this is just how these characters live and we're going to kind of dive in and see their lives. Yeah. I mean, even between, like, Between Spanish speaking countries and other Spanish speaking countries, there are some words that mean a curse word and then there are other words that are a compliment. So it varies. It all varies.
1: I also have to say, like, you could really feel the familiarity with L.A. on this show and that L.A., Often having a writer's room full of people from L.A. can be a downside, speaking as somebody from not a coast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is set in a very distinct neighborhood in L.A. And there are references to L.A. Like somebody asks, like, oh, are you from Silver Lake? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm from East <laughs> L.A. You know? And you can really feel. And, of course, again, I haven't spent a ton of time in L.A., but I could feel the familiarity and understanding of this location.
0: Yeah. We really like this show. (laughs) Uh We like this show a lot. Again, only six half hours. It's airing on Stars, So uh, keep your eyes out for Vita. And, you know, if you get a chance to watch it, come and tell us what you think. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. And if you're interested in uh, hearing more about Vita the NPR podcast, Alt Latino, is going to have an episode about it where they're going to play a conversation with Eric Deggins, who you've heard on this show, who's also NPR's TV critic, uh, and they're going to pair that with this discussion for their listeners. So if you want to hear more about Vita, check out Alt Latino. That's dropping on the 31st of May. We have one more thing that we need to take care of before we go. And you know what it is? It's a correction. <laughs> It's a small correction. In our Killing Eve episode, Kat Chow accidentally said uh, that Sandra Oh is Asian-American, but in fact, she's Canadian. Uh-huh. So... I have made this
1: mistake myself. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So Kat sent along this statement. A very astute listener brought up to me that in my gushy excitement, I described Sandra Oh as Asian-American like me. As much as I wish I was anything like Sandra Oh, she is in fact Canadian, not American. So I apologize hugely for misspeaking. I think we'll forgive you, Cat. <laughs> so. uh, good, good run of uh, dramas that we've been enjoying yeah. Here yeah. on the show, oh, nice. including Killing Eve. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Daisy at the best handle on the internet, in my opinion, run DMR. And thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, of course, for listening. We'll be back here on Friday talking about, oh, what are we talking about, you guys? Deadpool 2. Oh, Deadpool 2. And you know who's here for that conversation? Not Linda. Daisy Rosario. (laughs) It's me. Not Linda. Daisy Rosario. So come back on Friday and hear all about Deadpool 2. If you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks find the show. We will see you all back here on Friday.
2: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you love to find and hear great new music, but you don't know where to start, let All Songs Considered be your guide. It's NPR's weekly music discussion and discovery podcast with tons of new songs and artists to fall in love with. Hear All Songs Considered in the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts.